Thanks for tuning into the Woods Edge Student Ministry Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. For more information, you can go to woodsedge.org or look us up on Facebook under Woods Edge Students. Hey guys. Um, I just got back from nine amazing days in Colorado with the youth group here. We had 15 of us up in Pagosa Springs. Has anybody been to Pagosa Springs, Colorado? One person. What about the Rocky Mountains? Rocky Mountains? Okay, we're getting some more. Has anybody ever seen a mountain before? Real life? Or in a picture, maybe? Does everyone know what a mountain is? Excellent, excellent. It looks like this, just like that. So we had nine amazing days up there. Um, We spent the first half of our trip uh, hiking through a bunch of backwoods trails. Um, It was rather difficult, uh, going up some steep terrain, uh, getting winded really easily and looking like an old man out there. Um, We went through a bunch of like streams. We swam in this like icy cold mountain lake and almost died. It was fantastic. Um, We also used like the world's largest toilet. Does anyone know what that is? Nature, yeah. Trees, ground. Um, just so you know, if, if you want to talk about poop more than you ever have in your life, just sign up for a backpacking trip. It's incredible the amount of, of toilet conversations you'll have. Um, you get to know somebody like, like you never have before. Um, that may be a reason not to sign up if you don't like talking about that. Uh, so that was the first half of the, half of the trip. Um, the second half, we spent doing a, a serving project uh, there for a local ministry in Pagosa Springs. Um, it, was, it was amazing to be able to bless them uh, with something that will, uh, will really be able to pour into their ministry for years to come. We, uh, we built this giant fire pit, um, probably at least, like these, these chairs right here, it's about as wide as that uh, from end to end. So we had like the actual place where the fire goes, and then we have these massive boulders surrounding it for seating. It was, it was amazing, um, and like I lifted at least a thousand pound boulder on my shoulder and walked around, and uh, you know, no big deal. But uh, we did the, the fire pits, and then we also did uh, a fire shed, you know, because obviously it gets cold up there. So we, uh, we built a, a nice little fire shed, when, when I say little, it was like 12 feet tall, it was huge. Um, but it was just great getting able to, um, to as a team, bless the ministry, um, and also during that time, really get to learn some amazing leadership principles. Um, we, we taught leadership principles to our students, um, but I myself also learned a bunch um, about leadership on that trip as well, and so just an amazing time. But, um, you know, as, as awesome as all of the like, practical stuff that we did was, the most incredible thing to me was getting to see our students and myself get to know God better. Uh, there's just something special about getting out uh, to nature, removing distractions, you know, turning off cell phones, getting one-on-one with God, and, and really being able to hear from Him. Um, in the mornings, we would gather as a group, and we would send our students and ourselves out with, with one passage of Scripture— um, that we would all kind of go through the, together. We would give them their Bible and a journal and say, hey guys, just go get alone with the Lord. Let him speak to you. Write down what he says. Write down what he's teaching you. 
And then in the evenings, we would come back and, and kind of debrief. Uh, so we would just kind of talk through, okay, what, what was the Lord speaking to you this morning? Um, it was so neat for me to see that, that it seemed like the Holy Spirit just kept redirecting our conversation to one central theme. And that was, okay, what is the difference between just knowing about God and actually knowing God? Like, what's the difference between, between knowing a lot of Bible trivia, just being able to answer all the questions, and actually knowing the God of the universe, the person, the Godhead? And so that, that was what, what our conversa- conversations kept um, being redirected to. And so this morning here, I want to kind of talk through uh, some of the things that, that I felt like the Lord was speaking to me. And, and really, just, just to tell you a quick little bit about my story this, is, uh, this topic has been on my heart for the past, really, five years or so. Uh, the Lord has really taken me on this journey of, you know, grow, I grew up in the church, and I, I could tell you all, like, the Bible trivia answers. If we played Bible trivia with friends, I was like, boom, I'm knocking them out of the park. Every answer that, that you needed, I would have. Um, but I was missing uh, an intimate relationship with the Lord. You know, I, I had somewhat of a relationship, but... But there was, um, there was missing that, that love for him. And so over the past you know, five or so years, the Lord's been teaching me more and more what it means to know him and to love him, to be with him, to be changed by him. Um, and so this morning here, I just want to kind of talk through that. Um, now, you may be asking yourself, what's, what's the difference between, like, what, what are you talking about, Kalen? Isn't knowing about God and just knowing God, like, isn't that the same thing? Well, let, let me give you an example to kind of help clarify that. Um, I have listened to a lot of interviews with President Barack Obama. I have said, or I've seen him give speeches. I've read articles about him. I've, you know, seen him on uh, talk shows. He's been on Jimmy Fallon. Like, I've seen a bunch of President Obama. Um, but could I say that I know President Obama? No. Like, I've, I've never spent a day of my life with the guy. Um, I, I would be lying to you if I said I know him, even though I know a ton about him. Um, I even know, like, about his family. I'm kind of creepy. Um, but if you were asking me the same question about, like, my wife, Lindsay, or my mom and my dad, would, would I be able to say that I know them? Yes. And why is that? Well, because I've spent time with them. I've, I've gotten to know them. Um, I know what they like and what they don't like. I, I know what makes them happy and what makes them sad. And I know, you know, we've, we've been through highs together. We've been through lows. We have a relationship. And so kind of the same principle applies to, to our relationship with God. Uh, we can either just know a lot about him or we can really know him. Um, so let's, let's kind of dive into what is the difference between knowing about God, and just knowing about Him. Um, When I think about that difference, the first thing I think of is the New Testament and the Pharisees. You guys know who the Pharisees were? Does anyone anyone have an answer? Who were the Pharisees? They're phony, yeah. So they knew they were religious leaders. They knew a lot about God's words. Anyone have anything else? 
That's good. What about you? Committed to the law of Moses. Yep. So these these guys were basically like the pastors of their day. Um, they had literally memorized the entire Old Testament. So, like like all of that right there, they had memorized that like word for word. That's insane. Um, they know more about God, or they knew more about God than you or I ever will. Like hands down, they they were. Really, really smart guys. They were revered in their society. Listen to what Jesus says about these Pharisees. Mark chapter 7. Jesus replied, You hypocrites! Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. Why would, why would Jesus be so harsh to these pastors? Well, because their, their worship of God was just a show. They didn't really love him. Uh, they, they, they weren't passionately pursuing God to know him. They loved knowing about God because of how it made them feel. It made them feel puffed up and special and important. And, and they were really revered in society and they always got the best place at the dinner table and they were always invited to, to like the, the social events and the, uh, the dinner clubs. And I mean, they, they were esteemed in their society because of how much they knew. But Jesus says, I don't, I don't care about that. Where's your heart? You don't, you don't love me. Like I'm standing here right in front of me and you're, you're hating me because you don't know me. You don't know the God that you know so much about. Jesus says to them, your worship is pointless. Like, it doesn't matter to me unless you know me. And Jesus never said that knowing about him or going to church a bunch or uh, having all the answer, answers to Bible trivia, he never said any of that was the way to eternal life. John seventeen three, he says, and this is the way to have eternal life. To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. Eternal life is knowing him. It's having a relationship with him. And we, we throw that term around a lot. It's, it's not about religion, it's about relationship. Well, what does that mean? You know, we, we can even have the right answer about that. Like, what is eternal life? Oh, it's not about religion, it's about relationship. But do we really walk it out? Do we really live it? Now, I don't want us to get the wrong idea about knowledge about God. So knowledge about God is important, but let me clarify, only to the degree that it leads us to get to know God. Um, if, if knowledge about God is the foundation of the house, then, then love for God and passion for him are the bricks and the mortar and the wood and the roof that puts it together. If all you have is knowledge about God, but you don't have passion and love for him, you don't have a relationship, then all you have is a slab of concrete. But at the same time, if you're just like passionate about this, this mysterious God, but you don't have knowledge about him, then you have no foundation. You have nothing to rest on. And your house is going to be tipping over in the first storm that comes. 
And so knowledge about God is important. It's the foundation. But love and, and passion and knowing him is, is the, the rest of the house. You can't have one without the other. Listen to uh, what a guy named J.I. Packer said about knowing God. He said, disregard the study of God and you sentence yourself to stumble and blunder through life blindfolded with no sense of direction and no understanding of what surrounds you. But our aim in studying God must be to get to know God himself better. We must turn each truth that we learn about God into a matter of meditation before God, leading to prayer and praise to God. So did y'all hear that? Knowledge about God is, is important, and that's why we study his word. But it has to lead us to love and passion for him, or else it's just going to puff us up like the Pharisees were. So now that we kind of have an idea of what the difference is between just knowing about God and actually knowing him, what does knowing God do for us? Like, what does it do for our faith? Well, to answer that question, let's turn to 1 Samuel 17. Everyone knows the story of David and Goliath, right? It's like one of the most well-known stories in the world. Um, so let's kind of try and look at it this morning with a fresh perspective uh, and see it in a, in a new way. Um, so you guys know that the, or maybe you don't, the, the background of the story is um, the Israelites are camped, like in, in I guess, Israel. Um, the Philistines come out to to meet them, and they camp a little bit away from them. They send out their champion named Goliath, and the dude is nine feet tall, and he's a seasoned warrior. So basically, like, imagine, imagine like a nine-foot-tall Navy SEAL, like, knocks on the door of your house and says, hey, I want to fight you. Like, what are you going to do? You're going to slam the door and go, like, hide in the closet. That's what I would do. Um, that's what Goliath is doing to these Israelites. Um, he's, he's unbeatable. I mean, he's, he's enormous, and he's a skilled warrior. Like, those, those two combinations are, are tough to beat. And he's challenging uh, an Israelite to one-on-one -on -one combat. He's saying, I'll, I'll fight your best warrior. Send him out. We'll, we'll, do, we'll do the tango here. And if I beat him, then you Israelites become our slaves. If he beats me, we'll become your slaves. Like it's a fair deal, right? No, it's not a fair deal because because no one can beat Goliath. Like he he knows that, and that's why he made the deal. He's gonna win, and the Israelites feel that way too. Um, Saul, who's their king, King Saul, is is the most able man to be able to fight Goliath. He is. It says earlier in, in Samuel, he says that he is head and shoulders taller than the rest of the Israelites. And he's a seasoned warrior. Like he's, he's king. He's led his troops into battle. And, and you know, he's a really tall, handsome dude. Um, he's, he's the most qualified person to fight Goliath. And where do we find Saul? We find Saul hiding in his tent, hoping that somebody else will stand up. And, and get rid of this giant named Goliath. So fast forward, 40 days, Goliath comes out and taunts Israel. 
taunts God. Says, I'll fight whoever you want. Let's do this. Oh, you're, you're, you're the Israelites? that you, you have, like, the God of heaven on your side? Yeah, let, let's see once we start fighting if you really believe that. So David comes strolling up, starts talking with, with some of the Israelites, and, and uh, Saul calls him into his tent. And listen to how David talks about Goliath. It says in verse 34, But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. For he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord, who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Does that sound like like a man who knows his God? There's a stark contrast between King Saul and David here. King Saul is hiding in the tent. Why? Because he's trusting in his own abilities. He's not thinking about his great God. He's long forgotten his great God. He's looking at himself and saying, I, I can't beat this guy in battle. Like this, this guy has like four, four feet of, of reach on me. Like I'm never going to get close enough to get my sword in there. And But how is David thinking? David's saying, yeah, I'm, I'm like this little teenager which he was like, what, 15 when he's doing this? Like, like David's saying, I'm a little teenager. All I got is, is a sling and a stone, but I have the Lord of Heaven's armies on my side, and that's all I need. He's saying, the Lord who delivered me from the bear and the lion is going to give me this Philistine. David's not trusting in his own abilities. David is trusting in his great God. So what do we see next? Saul says, Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor, and he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I can't go with these, for I have not tested them. I love, I I don't love, I think it's funny how Saul responds to David's like boasting in the Lord. So David's like, Saul, I got this because God is with me. Like, do you, do you not know the Lord? The Lord is the Lord of hosts. He's the Lord of angel armies. Like, I, I, don't need, I don't need to be a great warrior to be able to defeat Goliath. I just need the Lord. And Saul responds with, uh, well, David, uh, here's, here's my helmets and my uh, coat of armor, and here's my sword. Uh, they'll, they'll help you defeat Goliath. That, that's, that's really what you need, right? And David's like, King Saul, you're, you're missing the point here. The, the sword and the helmet and the coat of armor, that, that doesn't determine the battle. The Lord determines the battle. The weapons are not what makes, makes the warrior. The Lord is what makes the warrior. So, Saul tries to give David his weapons, and David says, no way. I'm going, 
I'm going with what God gave me. So it says in verse 38, then Saul, no, we already read that. Verse 40, then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand and he approached the Philistine. I love that David had no backup plan. Have y'all ever noticed that? Like David, David had five stones and a sling and a little stick like to walk with. He had no backup plan. What, what if he missed? Like, are you telling me that you, you don't think that you can miss or that like Goliath with his shield could go boop? What if he missed? David didn't have a backup plan. If it's me out there, like I got, okay, I got my, my sling and, and my stones, and I got my sword, and I, let me take another sword, maybe get like another dagger and like a dagger on my leg, and maybe like a bow and arrow on my back, it'll be like Katniss, and maybe like some nunchucks for a backup plan, just in case. Like I got a backup plan to my backup plan to my backup plan, because if my stone misses, I don't want to be left out there in front of this huge dude who has like a sword and a spear and a javelin in his hand. But David didn't have a backup plan. Why do y'all think that is? It's because David's backup plan was the Lord. David's plan all along was God. And he could only have that confidence in God because he knew his God. He had spent his entire life out in those fields, watching those sheep, getting to know his God. He had spent time talking with his God. He had spent time reading his God's word. He had spent time praising his God. David was a man who knew his God. And because of that, his only plan was the Lord. So David goes out to meet Goliath, verse 41, and the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air, to the beasts of the fields. Goliath is like, Are you kidding me? As he's walking closer to David, and he gets closer and the distance isn't as much, he's, he's like, I think I was like five feet tall. Is that, a, is that a boy? That's a boy. Goliath is thinking, I gave you guys 40 days to figure out a plan, and this is your plan? Like, this is what you come at me with? You come at me with, with a little teenager? Like, I am a seasoned man of war. Are you kidding me? This is, this is comical. Goliath's like, you know, you, you could have, I don't know, like, ridden to, to another nation and hired some warriors to come fight me. Or you probably should have, like, maybe waited till I was sleeping and, and tried to kill me in my sleep. Maybe something smart, not like this. You got a, a little boy to come fight me. And so Goliath keeps mocking David, keeps mocking the Israelites, keeps mocking the one true God. And listen to David's response to him. 
He responds as a man who has known his God. It says, Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves, not with the sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. That is a man who has known his God. He knows that the battle is already won, not because of his like, military ability, not because of his physical strength, not because of his mind as a tactician, but because his confidence is 100% resting in the God of heaven. And he knows that the God of heaven is 100% sovereign and powerful and wise and good. And because of that, he can trust him and rest in him. David is jealous for the name of his God, for the honor of his God, because he's gotten to know him. David's gotten to know his God, and, and, and in getting to know his God, he's seen, God, you are, you are glorious, you are magnificent, you're amazing, you're incredible, and I want everyone to see that. And he walks into camp that day and he sees this Philistine dogging the Lord. And he says, I can't stand it. I can't stand it. I have to do something. Lord, this is your battle anyways. You don't need me. You don't, you don't need me and my little stone. But I'll go because I want to, def- I want to honor you. I want to defend your name. David is jealous for the name of his God because he's gotten to know him. And that's the only reason. You see the contrast with, with King Saul. King Saul is, is hiding in his tent because he is a man who knows a lot about God. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of, of God's chosen people. He knows a lot about God, but he doesn't know his heavenly father. David is a man after God's own heart who knows his father. And David is the man who's able to say, the Lord is my shepherd. I don't, I don't have any wants. He makes me lie down in green pastures. The Lord leads me beside still waters. And then he goes on to say, e- even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear nothing. I fear no evil because you, God, are with me. He knows that no matter what happens, his great God is with him. He's beside him. And he has him. And he knows that his eternal destiny is secure because of his God. So you guys know the rest of the story. David goes on to kill Goliath. The Israelites rout the Philistines. And David goes on to become king. Uh, He wasn't a perfect king. He wasn't a perfect man. Far from it. He was a murderer and an adulterer and 
uh, and he was a bad dad, and he had a lot of stuff going against him, but the one thing that he had going for him, which caused God to say, this is a man after my own heart, is that he was a man who loved and knew his God, no matter what. So a few points to pull from the story. A good indicator of someone who knows their God, if you're, if you're asking yourself, okay, how can, how can we know if, if I know God or not? Well, one, one good indicator is, is that uh, people who know their God are humble people. You see, David in this story is not boasting in, in how macho he is and he's going to take down Goliath. His boasts keep being redirected to how great his God is. And so if you find yourself having a lot of great thoughts of yourself and not a lot of great thoughts of God, then it, it, it might mean that you need to get to know your God better. And I, just in the spirit of vulnerability, I fall too often in that, that first camp of having great thoughts of myself and not great thoughts of God. It's so easy to forget how great our God is. But people who know their God realize how amazing he is because they've gotten to know him. They've spent time with him. And they recognize that anything good in themselves is only there because of their great God putting it in them. And so whether it's, uh, whether it's character traits or or awesome circumstances that happen to them, they recognize that it's all God in the first place. And so it doesn't matter. They don't, they don't have to boast in themselves. Another thing that I, I recognize from, from this story is, is that David had, had amazing confidence um, no matter what the situation was, no matter what the circumstances were. Like David is going like, against insurmountable odds. There, there's no chance that David's going to win this thing, but, but he's 100% confident, 100% confident no matter what. Um, and that's only because he knows his God. And so for us, the more that we get to know God, the more that we get to uh, see how beautiful he is, the better we can face tough circumstances in our life, whether, whether we get cancer or become the president of the United States. You know, no matter how great or how terrible the situation is, we can trust that our God is 100% sovereign and he's 100% good. And we can say, not our will be done, but yours be done, Lord. Now, it also leads to another point, which is just to say that we don't naturally want to pursue God. It's not, it's not naturally within us. And so the only way that we're going to get to know God is if God enables us to love him more. And so what, what I have started to have to do over the past several years is say, Holy Spirit, I don't want to spend time with you. And I don't want to love you more, and I don't want to get to know you because my flesh is feeling so strong right now. Save me. 
You're my only hope, Lord. If you don't come do something in my heart and change me, then I'm doomed. And so as you're, you're, you're trying to figure out, okay, how do I get to know God? Start with the prayer of humility. Saying that, that I can't change myself. I didn't save myself in the first place. So I can't make myself holy. It's the Holy Spirit that does it. And so dive into that daily prayer of, of Holy Spirit, please change me. Redirect my, my passions. My passions from the things of this world. I'm so passionate about video games and I'm so passionate about boys and I'm so passionate about girls and I'm so passionate about uh, movies and Lord, all my passions are directed at the world. You're going to have to change them. And so please change my heart and redirect my heart so that then I'm passionate for the things of God. I'm passionate to know you, God. I'm passionate to love you, to be with you, to spend time with you. That's the only way we're going to change. So we look at the life of David. How did he get to know his God? What did, what did he do to, uh, to be able to stand in the face of that giant that day with 100% confidence and say, this, this battle is the Lord's? What did he do? Well, we see it all throughout the Psalms. David was a man of passionate prayer. He didn't hold back. Whether he was mad or sad, whether he was happy or he was, he was confused, whether he needed direction or, or he was feeling so confident, whatever he was doing, he was praying. Because he recognized that God was the only sovereign one in control of everything, and God is the only one able to make things happen. And so he directed all of his emotions towards the Lord. It's what we need to be doing too. The other thing we see is that, that David was a man who loved God's word. David spent time in his word. He said, God, your, your word is better than life. It's sweeter than honey. It's better than, than the, the most precious of, of gold. David loved God's word because he recognized that the God of the universe wrote a book and gave it to us so that we could know him. So spend time in his word daily and then obey it. If we don't obey it, it's like, it's like we're wasting our time. So obey his word, love his word. And then lastly, David sang songs of worship to the love of his life, the Lord of heaven. He was a passionate, passionate worshiper. And so this morning, let it start here. As we respond this morning, as we respond, don't hold back. Search your heart. Let the Lord search your heart. Ask yourself, God, what... What do I need to take away this morning? If you want to know him, say, Holy Spirit, I want, I want to know you. Help me. Help me to get to know you. Help me to love prayer. Help me to love your word. Help me to love worshiping you with abandon. If you don't want to get him to know him this morning, then tell him that too. Holy Spirit, I, I don't want to get to know you. And I'm praying just because the dude on stage is telling me to pray. And so, whatever. If, you, if you'll change my heart, then okay. 
You just be real with them. But don't hold back this morning. It can start here. The life that David lived, a life of, of passionate love for his, his God, his Father in heaven, can start here for you. David was only 15 whenever he fought Goliath. Somewhere around there. And that's because he got to know his God. If you will get to know the Lord, if you will intentionally pursue the Lord and ask him to stir your affections for him, then you'll, you'll be able to live a life like David, confident in the face of any situation because you know your great God. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the Woods Edge Student Ministry Podcast. Please feel free to share copies of this podcast, but do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way. For more information, please visit woodsedge.org or find us on Facebook under Woods Edge Student.